Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hello and welcome to Mark My Words. This is Mark Homer. I'm going to do a Q&A today, which is comprised of questions from our listeners. Um, obviously things that people want to hear, so let's fire into it. So Dan asks, hi Mark, I've been enjoying your series of videos on your aspect building project. How is the project going? What have been the greatest challenges and what have you learned? So what's the main challenge been? Well, um, the main initial challenge was uh, we started the project in uh, sort of December 19, January 20. Uh, within maybe six weeks, the main contractor went bust. Um, so I took a, a team on uh, and we've built the whole project ourselves in-house. Um, so it's 121,000 square foot, 100 apartments. Um, and um, we've been managing subcontractors. We've got lots of direct labor, uh, buying materials. Um, and we are now about two months away from completion. Um, about half of the building has been handed over. Um, I'd say over a third of the building is now let, um, and we're, um, yeah, we're coming through to completion. Um, other big challenges would be sort of materials going up, although thankfully we got most of the subcontractors in contract before that happened. Um, one of the subcontractors went bust, so we took all those men on uh, and have bought those materials directly. To, to, to finish off that package. Um, we've had issues with a subcontractor being quite late uh, and had an adjudication over that, which thankfully we came out the right side. Um, and um, yeah, it's, um, but, but I'm told this is not uncommon uh, for a site of this size uh, and scale. Sam Knight asks, I currently have two other partners and we've saved up 20,000 pounds. Our plan is to open a limited company with a mortgage to buy a house for around 80K and add value with South Wales area. What type of house would you recommend to start with? Um, I think the, the, the key really for me has always been little two or three bed terraces, not the best areas, but certainly not the worst. So maybe sort of one or two steps up from the Bronx, you know, find the cheapest areas that you can, maybe with ex-council uh, ex properties or, you know, stuff that you think will let uh, well, but at the lower end of the scale. I mean, I, I guess in those areas, you'll be able to get below sort of, um, you know, 80, 100,000, as you mentioned. Um, the yield will be a lot better than buying something at 150. Um, so, yeah, I would um, probably, uh, flats can be okay, but it's very much about the freeholder, what's the ground rent and the service charge. Um, I've done better with terraced houses in the past. Um, that's the sort of thing that I would continue with. Um, you're planning to do most of the works yourselves as we are trades. Any advice is welcome. Well, you know, in terms of the refurb, you probably want more of a refurb so that you can buy the thing cheaper um, and utilize your own time and your expertise to get the cost of that down and to sort of control the other trades and, and make sure they're not getting ahead and make sure that their work is right and, um, yeah, I, I think you've got a big advantage there to, to, to get something that needs plenty of work because the more work that is needed on a property, the, the, you know, the, the gap 
um, between the sort of purchase price and, and what it will be worth once the works are completed, plus the cost of the works, um, is going to be greater because people are going to need to uh, price in the extra profit for somebody to manage all of those trades, um, probably a little bit of extra risk. Um, you know, if you're able to do a lot of these jobs yourself, um, then you want more and more refurb sort of, um, you know, type projects if you can do. Pedro asks, referring to the economy update video from the 5th of August, maybe correction, but no crash. Um, they are already taking measures to stimulate the economy, rising prices even more. Um, yes, they've taken a, a lot of measures. Um, this was all or largely done in the um, first, first stroke, second quarter of 2020 last year. Uh, interest rates went down to 0.1%. Uh, the quantitative easing program was extended. I think it's about 900 billion now. Um, there was the furlough scheme. There were grants. Um, there were bounce back loans. There were C-bills loans. Uh, and there were sort of discretionary grants uh, at a local level. Um, a lot of it was administered through business rates. Um, so, yeah, I think that's averted the immediate risk of a crash. Will there be a recession? Will there be a crash? Absolutely. I don't know when it is. Uh, I don't know when property prices will fall. Uh, they will inevitably do that at some point. Uh, but I'd say in the short term, um, you know, the, the risk from coronavirus seems to have faded away. Lots of business people that I was talking to last year, uh, including myself, thought when the furlough scheme came to an end, unemployment was going to go right up. Just doesn't look like that's what's going to happen. I think the Chancellor has um, managed the demand for um, staff and employees very, very well with, with the supply. Uh, in fact, it's gone the other way. There are lots of staff shortages. Um, you know, I, I went to try and get a pizza uh, on Sunday um, and there are big restaurants uh, with hardly any people in there because of staff shortages. We've got the same at Progressive uh, and I think that is finding its way through all sorts of sectors and, and businesses at the moment. James Warren says, your dream car is, and what was your first car? I don't know, James. Yeah, what is my dream car? Um, I probably don't have one. It moves around. Um, you know, I, I think the best sort of sounding car and one of the best uh, looking cars is a Lamborghini Aventador, uh, which Rob and I bought a few years ago. Um, I, we have a, an aerial atom, which I absolutely love. Uh, thrashing on the back lanes. I, I took that out a bit this weekend. Uh, it's supercharged and it's so quick. Um, I, I have a, a lot of fun in that. Um, and I sort of dr I drive a 911 for daily use. Uh, it's pretty incognito. I can get around without people looking at me. Uh, I can go and do my business without getting harassed, uh, which is of great value to me. So that's what I use for most of the week. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, sort of, I suppose your dream type machines are things that you don't have. Um, I love that Porsche 918. Um, that's very cool. Uh, Mercedes 300 SL, uh, the Gullwing. Uh, that's amazing, but they're a million euros. Um, I love the Pagoda. Again, uh, that's an old SL from the 70s, a 280. Um, they're probably stabilised. I'll probably end up getting one of those. That's very cool. Um, I, I love the restored versions of those. Uh, the Hemmels do. Um, 
Yeah, that's. Um, I, I tend to try and buy things now that don't drop and don't depreciate, and then I don't feel compelled to be switching in and switching out. And um, I, I like sort of new technology and the electronics and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I'll probably just limit that to my sort of daily driver uh, as I move forward. Uh, and the other stuff I have will hopefully be non-depreciative and hopefully go up. Um, I quite like older stuff, classics, uh, that have already um, sort of dropped in value and, and are becoming sought after again. Judy asks, if you couldn't invest in stocks or property, what would you invest your cash into? Um, it's a very good point, Judy, um, because of course, equities, stocks uh, and, and property are what I do you know, with, with most of my money. Um, watches can be good as long as you buy the right type. Um, so sort of Rolex sports watches, um, maybe Submariner anniversary um, where they're you know, limited supply or maybe a Daytona uh, with the, uh, the steel Daytona, Rolex steel Daytona, they're good. Um, you know, maybe if you buy sort of Audemars Piguet, that the right models, the limited supply ones, uh, maybe the Biblos or a Terminator. Um, you know, some Pateks can be very, very good. Uh, the Nautilus has obviously performed really well, but they're, they're plenty of money now. Um, so I think if you buy the right watches that are, uh, you know, controlled in their supply, uh, they can be a good investment. Um, other investments, um, I suppose Bitcoin's probably here to stay, and that's probably a good thing. I wouldn't put a, a massive amount of my wealth, maximum 5%, into something like that because, you know, you, you could see big swings up, but you could see big swings down, and, you know, it could go to zero. You never know. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think they're my sort of main, I suppose, precious metals. Um, maybe buy some physical gold. Um, but I wouldn't put too much in there. There's no income stream. Um, if you look at the way prices have gone with gold and silver um, over the last, I don't know, since I've been looking the last sort of 10, 15 years, yeah, they've been pretty good, but they don't manage, they don't match equities uh, or property when you, you look at the overall return, nowhere near. They're just a good hedge, a good sort of counterbalance um, to sort of property and equities. Lloyd says, hi, Mark, your books are better than Rob Moore's. <laughs> Thank you, Lloyd. When are we getting a new book from yourself? Oh, that was a way to, um, to get me to write a new book. Um, not sure. Uh, to be fair to Rob, um, he, in, uh, on both of my books, he kicked my ass to get them done. On one of them, he sat there and typed it out and I sort of spoke it. Um, so, um, yeah, wait and see, Lloyd. It's pretty painful for me. Um, so I have to have a few years in between each one. Julie says, in an alternative universe, you never became a property investor. What do you think you would have been doing? Um, Julie, when I was at school, um, I always wanted to be a pilot and I, um, I probably didn't get the grades I should have done in maths and physics. So I thought that dream was over. The British Airways sort of pilot cadet scheme um, required good grades in, in maths and physics uh, and the RAF was the same so I sort of gave that dream up um, so yeah I would love to have been a pilot um, I think I sort of um, quenched some of that thirst um, by um, passing my PPL helicopter um, 
test. So I, I fly um, a, a small helicopter sometimes, and I've just started again last week. I'm just doing the proficiency check to renew my license uh, at the moment. Um, uh, when I was young, I always wanted to be an investment banker. Um, I'm not sure that, probably because of what they earn, uh, I'm not sure that would have been the best choice looking at sort of how many hours they work versus what they earn and sort of lifestyle um, sort of balance. I'm not sure that would have been um, the best, but um, yeah, could have been interesting. Graham says, what's the funniest story from the early days of progressing and working with Rob? Oh man, God, there's been all sorts of stuff. I'll have a think about that, Graham, uh, and I will come back to it. Kevin, it's so difficult to invest in Scotland now. They've added additional taxes, which makes it so bloody hard to acquire your second and third property. Bloody joke, any advice? Kevin, it's the same in England. Uh, they've added stamp duty on. Uh, you can't offset all the mortgage interest against the rent unless you're in a limited company. And clearly the taxation within limited companies is more than it is personally or within a partnership. Um, I still invest. I still think it's great. The returns are so much higher. Um, you know, I just think you've, you've sort of got to crack on and suck up those extra uh, taxes or invest in a limited company and you'll, you'll avoid Section 24. With the stamp duty, I don't think there's any way around it. I mean, I've purchased often commercial buildings and converted them. That gets around some of the stamp duty, but clearly I'm involved in a huge project which takes a load of my time and there's a, a load of other costs that come with it. So um, you could use multiple dwellings relief to... Um, reduce the stamp duty on a block of flats somewhat um, but I think in the main you've got to suck it up and pay it. Nikita said Mark you use an external company or accountant to manage all your finances or do you do this yourself? Um, so yeah we I mean in terms of uh, our year ends and our personal tax returns we always have an external uh, firm of accountants file these for us um, you know, it's too complicated uh, for me to do them myself. And I get a load of advice and tax information and stuff that I can use um, in our businesses. So I think we use three firms of accountants for our different businesses and, you know, our, our personal returns. Um, so I'm constantly talking to them, getting new ideas, new advice. Um, and internally, we have, I think, about 10 finance staff who compile management accounts and put all the information onto Sage so that the year ends can be filed and all the VAT returns go in. Um, so, you know, we have a, a sort of mix of internal and external accountants that, that, that look over all of these, um, all of these different businesses. Jay said, love your podcast and YouTube videos, Mark. Renting to tenants with pets, what's your thought? Um, Jay, you know, we do rent to te uh, tenants with pets. Um, I think the rule is, if they pay to have the carpet um, and the interior cleaned before they leave, then they can bring a pet. But it does depend what it is. You know, a, a sort of small, medium dog's okay. A, a massive German, hairy German shepherd probably isn't. Um, and often, you know, tenants will be asked for a bigger deposit because the dog may sort of chew up, um, I don't know, timber and, you know, door frames and, and all that sort of stuff. So you know, we're quite cognizant of that. Mark says, what's the best advice you've been given? Um, mm, um, some of the older boys, you know, talk a lot about sort of keeping cash back, don't over leverage. Um, obviously, they remember the high interest rates of uh, the late 80s, you know, in the 90s. We're in a different 
place now asset values are, are way higher so we couldn't you know the economy there's no way the economy could stand interest rates of eight ten fifteen percent um you know most of the country just go bust so you know if we do go back there it will take many many years good advice is definitely over the long run why would you over leverage um you know i i'll usually take the loan initially up to maybe 70 75 percent but over time i'd look to let those drift down to 50 percent um the another good sort of piece of property advice um, is always, you know, keep liquid, keep plenty of other alternative um, investments back, which could be cash or could be equities. Uh, you certainly don't want to put too many of your eggs in one basket. And that leads on to having multiple income streams. And that is probably, you know, if you could crystallize all the best advice that I've had, having multiple income streams um, is critical at least three or four. Um, try and make them as unrelated as possible. For instance, we have a letting agency. If we get income from this training business, we get income from uh, our property portfolio, we get income from. Uh, we have a, a sort of franchise networking business, we get income from, uh, and some other sort of interests as well. Um, the reason to have them coming from different sources is because you don't know when a pandemic's going to come along and you're going to have to shut a training business down. Uh, and effectively, you can't run a line of events, uh, but your property portfolio probably does quite well and your letting agency does quite well. Um, you don't know when a credit crunch is going to come along and a training business uh, can continue and, and probably thrives. But your property portfolio um, may be adversely affected because banks may demand money back. Um, you may have to suddenly find cash quickly um, and you may find it hard to remortgage. Um, so... You know, and, 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 and you, you know, if you're running a, a property sourcing business, as we were at that point, you might find the income reduces in that business. So, you know, there's, there's always a, a different um, sort of black swan event. You can't predict what it's going to be. A, another recession comes along the, the time before, which I wasn't really conscious for in, in the late 80s, early 90s. Interest rates went very high. You had MIRAS, where the mortgage interest relief was re removed by the government. Uh, and you had the ERM crisis, which was the European exchange rate mechanism, which was what, you know, pushed interest rates so high. You know, looking at our businesses here, you know, our letting agency and our property portfolio would have probably been quite badly affected with uh, such an increase in, in, in interest rates. Uh, however, you know, as property values go down, the rental business would have prospered. So we'd probably done quite well on the rent, but the, the values of our properties would have dropped significantly. Um, you know, if we've got to do any remortgages at that point or, you know, we were halfway through a project that had got to be refinanced at the end or, you know, if, if some of the banks said we'd breached our covenants, we may have to put a, a big dollop of money in to bring the loans down to get back into covenant. Um, so, you know, that during that period, uh, that side of the business wouldn't have been very good. The training business probably would have done very well. So um, each each recession, each downturn has a different um, set of ingredients so a different cake is baked um, and therefore you don't know quite which income stream is going to do better and which one might stop completely or which ones might stop completely so the point is you want to have lots of them across multiple different types of businesses yeah they need to be related because you need to understand them um, but you know within your circle of or within your sphere of comfort uh, competence you want to be setting up and, and you know having income streams from different businesses that are as unrelated as possible 
So when the next issue comes along, um, some of your business is not effective and the income can carry on. Um, and clearly, you don't want to be spending all of your income. You want to be saving a good chunk of it so that you don't end up in bother uh, when these, these things come about. JJ says, what are the pros and cons of repayments or interest only? What do you do and why? Okay, so I get this question a lot and there isn't a simple answer, JJ. It's very much dependent on the whole deal that I'm going to get from a bank. If all things being equal, if I was being offered two loans from two banks and the interest rate was uh, exactly the same, I would choose the interest only option um, because, and, and let's say they were both fixed and all the other terms were the same. The reason I would do that is because, um, you know, generally speaking, um, property values over the long run rise at about 5% per annum. So they, they probably double about every 15 years if you, if you look back. I know it, it, it might have been a bit more than that, you know, during certain periods. And at the moment, it probably is. Well, it is. It, it's probably gone up 10, 15 percent in this area over the last year. But that, that won't continue. It probably comes back to the, the mean, the average sort of 5 percent. So in, I don't know, 10, you know, in, in let, let's just say in, in 30 years time, um, you, you can see the value of that mortgage will uh, be much, much lower in comparison to the value of the property. In addition to that, inflation erodes the real value of your mortgage. So if inflation at the moment, I think it's running in the twos, maybe 3%, um, the, the actual mortgage balance, if, if it was 100,000 when you started, at the end of the year, if you've got 3% inflation, the real value of that mortgage, even if you haven't paid it down, is 97,000. And the rent, you, you, will, you will get the extra money through the rent because inflation will push the rents up, as we're seeing again now. Um, so over time, inflation will pay your mortgage down. Um, I always think of the example of my uncle um, who um, back in the, I think maybe the 70s, he bought his house. He, he had to go on a repayment mortgage. It was the only option back then on a residential mortgage. And it, it pretty much is again now on a residential mortgage, not a buy-to-let mortgage. And um, back then he paid you know, his, uh, his mortgage every month. Let's say it was a three and a half thousand pound mortgage on his house. Uh, and let's say his mortgage was £150 a month. Um, so that, that sort of £100 of it was um, the interest and, and £50 a month was the repayment portion. Um, and let's say at the end of the 30 years, um, you know, it, it, well, if we re rewind, when he started, he had his £150 a month mortgage payment. That extra 50 quid, the repayment portion, probably meant they had to do without, I don't know, going out for dinner. Uh, maybe once or twice a week, or maybe it meant they couldn't go on holiday quite as often. Um, you know, it, it definitely had an impact on their daily life. Um, if he had had the option of going interest only and paying £100 a month, he could have had those extra couple of dinners and maybe gone on holiday more often, and, and you know, because £50 was worth a lot more back then. Then 30 years later, his mortgage would still have only been £3,000, £3,500, whatever it was when he started, and he could pay that off with one paycheck 30 years later because inflation has eroded the value of the mortgage and his wages have gone up you know, at or above the, the rate of inflation. 30 years earlier, he was probably only earning, um, you know, let's, let's just say, £300 a month. Um, so the mortgage was a big chunk of it. Um, if you fast forward 30 years ahead... Um, or 30 years into the future, 
um, you know, his monthly salary was probably about £4,000. So he could have paid off that whole mortgage with one paycheck 30 years later. So that's a, a sort of a good uh, example there as to why interest only works. That said, you don't want to over leverage. And I think over time, you want the loan to value to drift down. Let father time pay it off. Um, you know, my long term sort of goal is 50% loan to value over the portfolio. Yes, I leverage up initially, but let it drift down, let inflation pay it down. Um, but what I have found often, JJ, with repayment mortgages, um, with certainly with one of the banks that we use, you know, if we go to say Lloyd's, Barclays, Santander, one of those big clearing banks, you can often get mortgages in the sort of two and a half percent range. You know, Lloyd's will probably do me track a, track a investment loan in, in that sort of zone, as long as I'm borrowing sort of half a million pound plus. And you could do that if you package up a few properties together. Almost always they will insist on repayment. Uh, now it's not, you know, it's 25 year repayment. So it's, that's the profile. It's not sort of um, draconian, uh, but you know, it, it's, it's um, you know, uh, uh, you, know uh, you, you are repaying it. Um, if I look at some of the challenger banks and the, you know, the, 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 the interest only sort of hybrid type lenders, I don't know, maybe Shawbrook, Oldermore, those types. Um, often if I went to a loan, uh, if I went to them and asked for a loan, they'd be asking for more like four, five, some of them 6%. Um, so if I look at the actual payment, um, it's probably about the same. Uh, if you took those two scenarios. Yeah, the loan to value may be slightly higher with the, the sort of Shawbrook Oldermore type option. Um, I don't know, maybe you could look at Kent Reliance or, or maybe sort of Synergy or those type, type lenders. Um, yes, the, the loan to value is, is maybe slightly higher, but you know, the payment's probably about the same. The difference is the Lloyds loan or the Barclays loan or the Santander loan or the RBS loan won't be there in 25 years. You'll have nothing. Whereas, you know, the, the loan will still exist with the, with the other lender. Um, Diana says, where is a good place to invest in the UK with 40k cash? Um, I, you know, you could buy um, in lots of areas, Diana, you could buy a, a, a sort of three bed um, ex-local authority terrace, you know, I would say anywhere north of Peterborough, really, um, maybe 150,000, 160,000, 170,000. Um, put the deposit in, refurbish it, try and get it as cheap as possible, then remortgage it. Maybe you get 20 grand out um, to go towards your next purchase. Um, you know, flats can be okay, but, you know, maybe more when the freeholder is ex-local authority or reasonable. Um, you don't want to be buying ones with sort of private freeholders who are going to fleece you. Um, so I'd try and stick to the little sort of two, three bed terraced houses. Uh, the further you go north, the further that's going to go. Uh, and into Scotland, um, you, you know, you could buy houses in Middlesbrough for 30 grand. You probably don't want to buy in those streets because you're going to have issues collecting the rent and maybe they'll get stripped to the boiler and the copper pipes. But, you know, there are houses in those areas you could get at 50, 60,000 that will work really well and, and yield double digits, you know, 10, 11, 12% plus. Um, Corby's the cheapest place close to here, but, you know, there you're probably still looking three beds at 140,000. Um, cheapest. Um, so yeah, cheap, cheap areas, lower capital values equals high yields, um, which means that, you know, those are the areas where it's easiest to remortgage more of your cash out uh, and you end up with more cash flow. Um, so they're the areas I like. As long as they're solid rental areas, I can get good private tenants who want to stay.
Um, just rewinding, I had a question about the most crazy moment um, since we've been at Progressive. And I would say, obviously, it's, it's sort of recent memory, but um, it probably was the pandemic. Um, you know, being told by the government um, that we'd got to shut our events business um, was crazy. I never envisaged it. It was the perfect example of the black swan. Um, you know, we're not completely out of the woods with coronavirus yet, but, um, you know, th those were pretty serious times. Um, we had to move everything online. Uh, all the staff went home. Uh, lots of other industries had um, sort of similar issues, but clearly a, a live events business uh, is very difficult to run uh, from your living room. So that was crazy. Um, hope that that has been of value to you. Hope you've got uh, some good information from that. If you've got more questions, send them in uh, and I'll do another one of these podcasts and videos uh, to hopefully enlighten you further. That has been Mark Homer for Mark My Words. <laughs>